Dave Dubow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from Long Island, New York, real estate entrepreneur extraordinaire, podcast host with the most, Mr. Pancham Gupta. Pancham, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. Thank you for that intro. My pleasure. So, Pancham, we discussed off camera that we're going to take a dive into a couple of things today. Number one, we're going to talk about asset management. And number two, we're going to talk about broker relations. So again, this is with regards to commercial multifamily properties, correct? So let's take a look at asset management first. And what, first of all, what does that mean to you and what does that encompass? Sure. So I'm going to start with the corporate example and dive into asset management. So in corporate world, if you've worked in the corporate world, you know that you have individual contributors, workers who are working on a project, and then you have a team leader who's managing the, you know, those certain set of contributors. And then you have a manager on top of team leaders, maybe managing multiple teams. So the goal of the manager is to really make sure all the projects and the team leaders, all the teams under him are working properly, they're communicating, they're getting, meeting the deadlines. So asset management is really that management role where you are making sure that all the things that are needed to execute on the business plan for a commercial multifamily building are getting done and in a manner that you would like it to get done. So if you have a property which is let's say 250 doors and your plan was to go in and add value to that property right and you know maybe renovate 50% of the units add a fitness center and add a playground. And yeah, so we have third-party property management company, which will manage that. We'll have a leasing person there in a 250-unit building. It would be probably two and a half in the office and two and a half outside the office. So you have all these employees and then you have a regional property manager who is overseeing this property. So all these people, their role is to really make sure the day-to-day operations of the property are going fine. People are coming in, going out. You know, people have issues on the property. So they take care of all of that. As an asset manager, what we do really is to make sure all the things that are happening on ground are happening properly, right? So for example, let's say we actually have this going on right now. We have an AC unit in one of the property went out, right? One of the units, right? So And we have properties across, you know, Carolinas and Florida and different areas tell you we get different quotes and different vendors. So we have at this moment, uh, one AC went out in in Jacksonville, Florida, and one went out in Wilmington, North Carolina. So the property in Jacksonville, they are quoting us $2,350 to change the air handler and also the condensing unit, right, which is outside the unit, right, the fan one. So to change that and so 2350, they will replace both of that and in a two tons, right? And in North Carolina, we're getting a quote for 4,200. Okay. So, and we've got three, four quotes for everything. Like that's what we asked them. So the, now the goal is as asset managers to make sure we are making the right decision, right? If this is high, what are we doing in this case? Right. And this is a moving piece. So I don't know what we'll probably get more quotes, but you know, To give you an example that we are really making sure that everything is getting done according to the plan, according to the budget, and we're giving guidance to the team on site. Yeah. So you're not just relying on your on-site property managers 
to figure this stuff out and to find you the best quote. You're overseeing it. You guys are actively involved in the process. Yeah, exactly. And we have our own asset, like in our team, we have a full-time asset manager on our team. And no, he's the one who goes on site to make sure everything is done properly. I can give you another example. Actually, it's a much more interesting one. So we have this 2007 built property, really nice property, you know, in a nice location. In the parking lot, there is a sinkhole that came up, right? And that sinkhole, now it's a small one, but still it's a sinkhole. So we started getting quotes for that. So on-site property manager, like the on-site leasing agent knows that to get three quotes to to see how what would it take to fix and what's the problem, right? So all the quotes that we got were about thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, okay, to fix that because they have to dig in, cut the asphalt, go in, fix the pipes and you know, come back up, right? right. And redo the driving lot. So and we have gotten this done many times at many other properties. So we know that this is very high. So our asset manager actually went on site, got preferred vendors that, you know, maybe not even in that city and actually physically made sure that, you know, they, we understand what the problem is because it's a pretty big expense. And guess what? We're getting that done in about $8,000. So that's a huge expense. So if we were to sit here and really trust the judgment, I mean, I'm not saying we have to, you know, question them on everything, but the thing is that there are a lot of things that they're just not trained in doing. They yeah, just don't know what they do. They don't know what they don't know, right? So, so, so if somebody's listening to this and they kind of manage their own properties or managing their own assets, probably not at the, at the scope or the level that you guys are doing it, any tips or suggestions on how to do it better? What, what are some of your your just go-tos. One that perked up my ears, it sounds like you get three quotes for everything that you need to get done. Are there any other any other tips that you have for people that are self-managing their own assets? So people who are self-managing, right? I'm assuming you're talking mainly from the repair point of view or generally? Let's talk about repairs right now. Yeah, let's let's say somebody's got a small portfolio, single family homes or a couple of small multifamilies. What are some tips that you would give that person on how better to manage that asset? Not necessarily the tenant management, but the property management. Yeah. So I would say the number one thing that, you know, I've managed single family home portfolio of my own in the past is that making sure that you are doing the bookkeeping properly, right? And attributing all the expenses properly. And which will start giving you an idea on how much you're spending where. When you initially start out, let's say you're just starting out, it's really hard to know that this particular item, whatever is broken, let's say the range is broken. Actually, range is very easily findable. Like, but you know, let's say there's a plumbing air, leak. An air conditioner or something. Yeah, like air that. conditioner or some plumbing leak, right? Yeah. It's hard to know how much that would cost. So that's why we get three quotes and you start to get an idea, you know, and then, so I would always say that get three quotes for anything so that until you build that database of things in your head and your spreadsheets that how much a particular item costs. And then secondly, it is very, very important, very critical to have payment schedule, a certain kind of schedule with the contractors, because I'm sure everyone who's in this business long enough have gotten in one way or the another when it comes to getting work done, like agreeing on certain things, 
and then when final product comes it is not what you want or there are certain things that are missing so it's a very hard conversation to have when you've paid 100% of the money and you're not happy with the work mm. so make sure that you have a very clear payment schedule and expectation management when it comes to who's getting paid when and what is in return they're getting for that amount of work at that point that's a fascinating idea hold that thought for a second hi there this is dave debow and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way why because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals so i help them to connect capture and close their ideal money partners bottom line when you've got a deal you're going to have the capital to do it so go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's bookachatwithdave.com. Yeah, that's very, very good. <laughs> very good advice there, Pancho. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the other important topic, which is broker relations. And again, I'm guessing we're talking about this with respect to larger multifamily commercial type properties. So what do you mean by that? What's the importance of having these broker relations? And more specifically for people that are just kind of getting started in this space, how can they start on the right foot? So, okay, so I'll break it down into two categories. One, you know, commercial properties, and then you have single family homes or smaller properties. So on commercial properties, people who own these commercial properties, they are actually investors, right? from the get-go, which is unlike single-family homes, right, where you could have the homeowner there. So these investors, for the most part, know what's going on in the market. There are cases where they do not know, like long-term mom-and-pop owners, but for most part, these are investors and they know. So they usually, typically, would list it with the broker. And in bigger markets, like top five to seven brokers, actually control 90% of the market. Wow. That's true in any market. Actually, mm-hmm. you go to Raleigh, North Carolina, you will see all bigger properties are controlled by top five. Like not all, like big amount, like, like 80 to 90, yeah. Yeah, 90% is owned. So if you're making relationships, right? If you are getting started in a commercial real estate business, I would say you go to this, let's say you pick Charlotte, North Carolina as your market. What I would do is go there and go to their websites like CoStar and other places where you see who's done most business in last 12 months. Pick all those top brokers. You won't be surprised to see there's probably five or six. That's it, right? And then you start networking with them, get on their mailing list. And then, you know, as soon as they have a property out that they have listed, you go and tour it. Request a tour, go meet the broker. Even if you're not buying it, you know, be professional and, you know, you have to obviously have certain kind of, you know, background if you're going in bigger properties. But, you know, if you like, let's say 20, 30, 40 unit property, you go and talk to them, give them the feedback after your tour of what you have done and slowly, slowly build that relationship up. You know, go, spend one year, two years, three years. We have spent like, you know, there is the deal that we closed this year, we actually spent almost last four years building a relationship with a broker. We have pretty much toured so many of their deals, put so many offers, gave them so much feedback, but never materialized. But only this year, 
we did our first deal with them. So that's how long we spent in cultivating that relationship. Do you have any tips on how to get that? You talk about networking with them. I imagine that they get a lot of tire kickers wasting their time. So how do you quickly show them that you're not one of those kind of people? So you have to spend the time and the money. So what I mean by that is that when you're, so I'm in New York, like, and we are investing in the South. Mm -hmm. So if I'm calling them and I tell them that I want to schedule a tour in Charlotte and I'll fly there that day, I'll spend time with them on the property and give them feedback. And I do that, right? If you do what you say you're going to do, you know, trust me, they will start noticing it, right? That it's not easy to hop on a plane and then you have to spend money. And they recognize that, uh, you know, that you're doing that. But let's say you are going and checking out 150 unit building, which is, you know, $20 million property and you have not ever done a multifamily deal before, then it's hard. Then you have to buy that credibility by partnering with people who've done this before. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So any other tips on how to, besides just going and touring the properties, do you guys have anything that you do to stay in touch with these brokers outside of deals? Are you sending Christmas cards? Are you doing anything like that to kind of stay on their radar? So believe it or not, we have not done that that much we have done it but not consistently mm-hmm. so we have been actually thinking about doing that to be honest with you like really getting in touch uh, even for non-business related things yeah. so i know a lot of people who do that already personally we have not done that but i would highly recommend doing that so here's something that might work for you there's a service out there called send out cards oh send really cards and You can sign up for that. You can set, let's say, these five realtors that you have in North Carolina, names, mailing addresses, and then you can program the system to automatically send out a Christmas card at the beginning of the December with a gift if you want to. Could even be some brownies or something like that. All gets done for you. It's it's automated. It's not quite as personal as if you actually did it by hand, which is better. But it gets it done. And then you set it up once and you can forget about it. And then you can do the same thing. You can send stuff out for different times, like St. Patrick's Day or Thanksgiving or no, not not just always the, the Christmas type thing. If you get their birthdays, you can send them personalized birthday presents at that time. Very, very efficient way to do it. Now, the only challenge with that is it definitely looks like it's kind of not it's it, not handwritten right yeah but again that versus nothing it's a lot better than nothing yeah yeah but great tip thank you dave i think we're gonna use it <laughs> all right very good okay so yeah i can see the the importance of that so how many different markets do you have these kind of high level broker relationships in at this time Patrick? so we have six markets okay yeah yes uh, when i say markets it's cities really yeah, yeah. And about five or six top realtors in each one of those markets. So you're looking. Yeah, at- there's a lot of common like intersection between the cities. So, for example, Raleigh, Charlotte, Wilmington—they're all in North Carolina. 
So typically they're the same brokers. Yeah, you may have one or two which are not same, but really it's the same group of people. So high level, you're probably looking at 15 to 20 relationships that you're, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Very, very smart. Yeah. That's cool. Well, great, great points, Phantom. So tell us a little bit about, about what you guys do and tell us a little bit about how people can get a hold of you and a little bit about your podcast, if you would. What's Mesos Capital all about? Yeah, Mesos Capital is all about value-add multifamily in these six cities, which is NC, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Jacksonville, Florida. We buy these apartment buildings, add value to them, and, you know, in return, investors get their, you know, cash flow and tax benefits and all the good things that real estate provides. Mm -hmm. So that's what Mesos Capital does. And, you know, I do have a podcast, which is called the Gold Collar Investor Podcast. It's focused on personal finance not just real estate. We talk about, uh, you know, life insurance to investing in gold and silver to crypto to asset protection, all different kinds of asset classes. And so if you want to get my guide on top six reasons why to diversify outside of Wall Street, Mm -hmm. you can go to thegoldcollarinvestor.com forward slash download and you will get that guide and you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm, I'm all over. Awesome. Very good. Bancham, thank you so much for your time on the show. Well, thank you, Dave, for having me. My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care. See you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book, Right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.